Hello, and welcome to the Network Collective Community Roundtable. Today, I wanted to circle back on some claims that were made early on in the SD-WAN hype cycle about how SD-WAN was going to save us all tons of money because we can drop expensive MPLS circuits and run everything across the internet. Now that we're seeing more practical implementations of SD-WAN, I figured it'd be a good time to see if reality matched the hype after we've gained some operational experience. So settle in, grab a drink, grab some cookies, keep your eyes on the road, though, if you're listening to this in the car, and we'll be right back to today's episode. So before we get started, I wanted to remind everyone that the 2019 Network Collective Listener Survey is live, and we'd really like your feedback about how we're doing. We know surveys aren't the most fun thing in the world, but it really does help us focus the show on things that are relevant to you. So please take a moment to head on over to thenetworkcollective.com, click on the survey banner at the top of the page, and share your thoughts on what you would like to see from us going forward. While you're there, and after you've completed the survey, of course, you should check out what Network Collective membership has to offer. There's quite a bit of member-exclusive content that has been produced over the past year. In addition to that exclusive content, we have what I consider to be one of the best slacks in all of networking. Our members regularly say that this is the best resource they get as part of their membership, and the quality of the conversation that's happening there is something I wish I had access to my entire professional career. If you're looking to join in on the conversation with some of the best networking professionals around, head on over to thenetworkcollective.com join to get details on all that membership has to offer. That's thenetworkcollective.com join. So joining us today is returning guest Jason Ginnert and first-time guest Matt Ouellette. Welcome, guys, and thanks for both being on the show. Matt, I know you've been uh, in the weeds with an SD-WAN deployment that you're in now, and I know you've had uh, some other experience as well. So before we dive into the specifics, I would just love to hear what your general impressions are uh, after getting your hands on for a while and kind of getting into the weeds. Is SD-WAN everything that it's kind of... uh, is it living up to all the hype or is, is it, you know, are there things that are, are hidden in the weeds as you get into them? I think it depends on, on the deployment model. Um, where there's definitely a lot of good things coming with SD-WAN. Um, simpler models, simpler to deploy, right? You still have complexities though, especially when it comes to brownfield type deployments. Uh, that's kind of where a lot of the gotchas show up. So do you have some examples? Like when we talk about brownfield deployments, are there, are there particular things in brownfield deployments that are making, you know, implementations more difficult for you? And, and Jason, please feel free with all the experience that you have in doing this. I uh, would love to hear your take on this as well. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the, the biggest catch is thinking about the transition. You can't just completely hard cut every site that you have in, in any given company over to an SD-WAN solution. You're gonna have migrated sites and non-migrated sites. And how are those gonna communicate? That's a really big gotcha. <laughs> what, you mean you don't get to start fresh every time a new generation cycle, generation uh, or, or cycle of equipment comes through? You don't get to just rip it all out, replace it all with something new and start fresh? If Come only on. that was possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Greenfield deployment is like one of those like super rare like unicorns in all of networking. It's just, I get so excited when I have a Greenfield deployment, when it's something really new that I don't have to integrate with anything else. It is so rare though mm-hmm. that that integration piece is huge. And I agree, like the interaction surface. Anytime you talk about these software defined technologies, it's really challenging. It's not, it's not just... <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like so much of the the messaging around software defined early on was, oh look, we can just abstract away all of the complexity, and I I don't see that being true. Like I mean, and and may, I'm biased. I get it. Like my job is literally networking, so I have a, I have a biased approach. This stuff is complex, and you know maybe we make it make it that way more than we need to. 
but I haven't really found an easy interaction <laughs> when it comes to implementing a, uh, and I say software defined because it's not just WAN, you're talking about data center or now we're getting into campus and LAN networks. Like there's not real nice interaction services between them and, and your brownfield real world deployments. Matt, you were talking about something with, uh, with one of your customers, a requirement around encryption. Yeah. And, um, and if you want to talk about that for a second, because I found that interesting. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting environment and their security policy is their data at rest and in transit is always encrypted and that's even over their private MPLS circuits. But doesn't uh, SD-WAN solve that? It does, but <laughs> they always, they always their butt in IT, right? Is yeah. what about the sites that aren't migrated yet? You still have to maintain that. So where do you put your, your SD-WAN boxes? Do they sit off to the side? Do they sit in line? Are you going to double encrypt it? Are you going to you going to encapsulate that twice and throw that overhead on there? What what are you going to do? Right, that's that's a thought process you have to put into your solution. Right, you either end up with two disparate networks: the sites that are SD WAN enabled, the ones who are not SD WAN enabled, and some sort of hybrid connection between the two, or you implement SD WAN underneath the existing encryption. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Encrypting it again, I, I guess if encryption is required, I guess not all SD-WAN requires encryption. But Exactly. Right. But, but you're, you're doing another tunnel within a tunnel to, to keep that requirement, and it's a legitimate requirement. I mean, there's a lot of businesses where data has to be encrypted in transit, and you don't get to tr- cut over all the sites all at once. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we've also found some other challenges with uh, managing um, you know, that routing between overlay and underlay. And actually, we, we had a really interesting one a couple of weeks ago that we hadn't encountered before, which was um, site to site between the sites that had SD-WAN enabled, quality of service worked perfectly. The sites that the SD-WAN enabled sites communicating to underlay, native underlay sites had mm-hmm. horrible voice, voice quality. And it was because their underlay network had had issues, but the SD-WAN was cleaning that up and obfuscating the fact that there was, you know, a little bit of packet loss and a little bit of jitter in the underlay. So, um, you know, for them, it was, okay, let's hurry up and get these other sites migrated. And then after we did, you know, it, it gave them a little bit of relief to open up tickets with the carrier and get the underlay fixed. But, I mean, that was a really unique one that we, we encountered. Usually it's, it's routing issues and, and redistribution between overlay and underlay that we encountered. But that was the first time we'd ever really hit like a quality of service problem. Uh, you know, kind of between the two. That's hilarious. Um, I have a customer that I'm working with right now on a, re- a relatively large SD-WAN deployment. And we were doing a proof of concept. They were doing comparison between like uh, three different vendors. And uh, and we were helping with one specific vendor and getting that 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 solution deployed. And so we, we got it deployed and they had picked like six or seven of their sites and they were running, you know, kind of this really, really cut down version of what their network would look like across it. And one of the sites they picked was one of their more, finicky sites, I will say, um, that, that gave them complaints because they wanted to see how, how, what's the differential really going to be by putting this in. So they put it in, they ran it for like a week and a half, and then they asked the people at the site, like, what was the difference? And of course, the response was, well, we didn't really notice anything different. It was all the same. And they were like really disappointed by this answer. They're like, okay, well, we thought this would be better, but okay. So they went and they pulled everything out because it was a proof of concept. And it wasn't an hour later they were getting calls about how bad the network was and it needed to be fixed. And it was so horrible now. What happened? And it literally was just them pulling out the SD-WAN that they had put in. That, of course, didn't make anything better. 
<laughs> but but when they pulled it out, it sure got a whole lot worse. I'm not quite sure how that happens. But <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't. The, the moral of that story is you don't run the pock for the people who always say no. (laughs) There's some lessons in that. I think think sometimes we don't always get to make those decisions, right? It depends on who sits at that location as to whether or not they get the the fancy new toys and the end gets to be trial or not. So uh, there's also a proximity thing for them because they're a big national, you know, brand. And for them, you know, uh, having the POC be relatively close or at least in a couple of regions where they had people who could go out and, you know, put hands on things is better than, oh, by the way, this is that site that's 400 miles from anyone in IT. So, uh, so there was some of that as well. But, uh, but yeah, I agree. Um, I thought that was, that was hilarious when, uh, when my customer told me that, like we laughed about that for a good five minutes, I think in the meeting, <laughs> I'm just like, how could it possibly be so much worse after you put it away, but have zero improvement when you put it in to begin with, that makes no sense to me at all. But, but, this is people. <laughs> they notice. They notice. It doesn't have passed. to make sense. It, it doesn't, doesn't have, have to make sense. sense. And oh, people usually don't. That's, that's true. True, and that's why, like, having like a, a quality of experience scoring of some sort in the solution is, is much more helpful. You know, like to actually <laughs> right. see, okay, empirically, are we? This is objective, better than, not yeah, subjective. Yeah. Right. How do you feel better about this? Is it better? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Measurement's yeah. yeah. important. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, I, I stated the premise of the show kind of at the top there. Uh, you know, we had this this big hype around the idea that we could save a ton of money by getting rid of MPLS. And I know not everybody was in on this, and I know not everybody said that that was the way it was going to be. I know a lot of people take a cautious and, and engineering-minded approach to it, which is good. That's the way it should be. But I figured we're starting to see some real data now. We're starting to see people who are doing it that way, who are trying it that way. We're seeing some people who are cautiously dipping their toe in that. I know I'm getting lots of customers who are asking me, is this something I should be considering? Because they would like to see the cost savings, but they're looking for data. They're looking for, you know, who has had the experience? What was that experience like? And so, Jason, you get to see lots of environments. And with that, like, what what is the broad picture? I mean, are you seeing people generally abandoning MPLS and using something like SD-WAN? Um, and I and I know there are people. Um, I'll point out Yvonne Pepignac right now because he's if he's listening, he's cringing right now. He's like, I've been doing this for thirty years, and he's right, right? Like it, using overlays over the internet isn't new. I just think SD WAN is making it a bit more accessible. So there's there's the premise. Yvonne, hi, if you're listening, I swear I'm not disregarding you. But <laughs> but this this was the hype around SD WAN. So Jason, what 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 are you seeing? Are our customers are customers really following through on that, or is it kind of a mix? I think it's a, it's a mix, and I, I would say you know domestically it's it's a, of our customer base. I would say it's fifty fifty. I mean it's it's a lot of folks are sw- are putting in SD WAN, but they're sticking with MPLS. They just they they feel more comfortable having that SLA and that 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 circuit for the the critical apps that are private, and then um, but having the control to steer things around. Um, and we, all, you know, we usually start with with uh, tempering expectations of savings out of the gate because that that should not be the 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 first and foremost reason for for going to SD WAN. Um, it, it just it doesn't always shake out that way. Um, I mean, we have had customers successfully completely migrate off of of MPLS to dual broadband and it works just fine for their business. Um, you know, there, that that does happen. Uh, I will say, you know, there's a dis- different um, 
there are different results, uh, domestic U.S. versus international too. So internationally, the the cost delta between MPLS and internet, it, it, there's not a, a, as big a difference. So um, a, a lot of folks with uh, that are, are in Europe or Asia may opt to just stick with the MPLS because the, the the cost is the same anyways. So um, to have that um, that SLA that reliability they they've become accustomed to over the MPLS network, well, it's a known quantity versus going to something that's unknown. It'll, why take the risk for the same same money? So um, you know, I'd say it's th- there's more of a trend domestically to do that. Typically, you don't save money. I would say in the vast majority of the cases, there's a few times where, where you will, um, but the vast majority of the time um, you're, you're paying um, the same or maybe marginally more to make that work. Yeah, I've always, I've always thought that the, even, even assuming that people got rid of MPLS, it then requires discipline to not buy internet circuits that are five times the size of what you have today, right? Because, oh, wait a minute, I was spending $1,000 a month before, now I'm going to spend $1,000 a month on internet and get way more bandwidth. And I think that's way more appealing than I'm going to spend what I spent before um, and, and, and maybe get an increase of bandwidth, but not as dramatic. And... You know, like, or, or say I'm going to spend less than what I did before and have the same amount of bandwidth. Like, I think that that's a less appealing picture. I think people will just go spend it on, on the bandwidth anyway, because it, it's been said, and I agree, the best way to solve a QoS problem is just throw more bandwidth at it. And that's, that's like 95%, 95% true is, is, is to, get, to get more, you know, just make the pipe bigger and you're going to solve a lot of your, your throughput problems. And so, I don't know. So, I guess, I, I guess that number doesn't surprise me, 50%. Because I think that there's probably a lot of businesses that don't have a lot of real-time traffic. Like MPLS is convenient because the fact that, you know, you're going to be able to connect all your sites and, you know, a mesh network and everything's going to talk to everything and it's, you know, available and reliable and you have someone to, to look at. But then when you look at your actual traffic profile, it's like, yeah, we do voice, but it's all local. <laughs> Every once in a while, an office calls an office, but it's not a big deal. And for them, like, what are your real requirements, <laughs> you know, between sites? They're not that big. You don't have that much voice traffic. You don't have that much video traffic. You have a lot of, you know, fault tolerance on that traffic. Why not? If all of a sudden you should get latency on a link, it's not going to be a huge deal. It's not, you know, it's not going to like take your business to its knees. But if you're a call center or a call right. center across multiple sites, right. all of a sudden now this is like literally what drives your business. It's not, it's not quite as simple of an equation to say, oh yeah, absolutely internet all the way because, well, wait a minute. You know, it really matters. <laughs> we, yeah. we actually had a call center that the, the CIO brought us in to, to tell his tech guys, we can get rid of all of our MPLS now and just go to internet circuits. And I said, well, hold on a minute. No, <laughs> you guys are a call center. You cannot, I would not recommend that actually. And so I <laughs> uh, kind of made uh, the CIO a little bit you know, red faced in front of his guys because that was his assumption. And I said, no, you're, I think in your design, you could, you can go from dual MPLS, maybe to a single MPLS with, with dedicated internet access, uh, you know, and maybe move to three circuits, you know, uh, maybe an MPLS, a DIA and a, and a broadband, but you, you know, this is what you do for a living. I would not, um, I would not, you know, chance all of that voice, the volume of voice that you do and then do that over the internet. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I'd, I'd have to agree with a lot of the points you, you both just made. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of customers stick with MPLS for that mission critical traffic because of the SLA. Um, and a lot of them are going with a second circuit that is some sort of internet broadband DIA. It doesn't matter. 
just to have that second link and start utilizing more than one link in a more efficient way. I think that's kind of the SD-WAN big push is using your bandwidth you're paying for. Um, but awkwardly here in the Midwest where I'm at, part of it's infrastructure too. They have their MPLS that's been in place from the telcos for the last 20 years, and they might not be able to get a decent connection from a DIA or broadband circuit without paying a build-out fee. Um, so I'm kind of seeing that 50-50 split too, where they're they're getting something in just to try it out over the internet, but they're still leveraging their weight on the MPLS because it's tried and trusted, right? Well, yeah. There's a practical piece to this too, right? I mean, folks typically don't give money back once it's in the budget and they're used to spending it, right? So your networking teams, your the decision makers are going to be, well, I'm going to get more for what I'm paying now. I'm not necessarily going to pay less. I mean, that that's just kind of the way things work. And so that, but ultimately SD-WAN is about, you know, delivering better service and having more options, more than, you know, but I will say this too, though. I think the days of um, default MPLS service are over. Like I don't, I don't think customers now that are building out new networks or adding new facilities are necessarily going to add MPLS at anywhere near the rate that they used to. Because yeah, I think it's going to be there. Right. There's, there's definitely truth there because the idea that, you know, we now have more flexibility because we're building this overlay, right? So I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And so I, going back to the voice stuff just for a minute, I'm just with the voice stuff, going back to the money stuff for just a minute. I, I work at enterprise all the time. I'm maybe more cynical than I should be. Enterprises don't make decisions based off of the financial, like it's never just about dollars and cents. There's so many other components and rightfully so. I mean, there's so many other components. There is, how supportable is this solution? Is this something that's going to provide me additional value? Is this something that's going to make sure that I don't get called in the middle of the night? Is this something I can sell to my executive team? Like there's so many other things that get factored into the decision that again, if you already have the budget for an MPLS network, you know, adding SD-WAN to it is a marginal uptick. Like maybe you have to make the argument for money and then you say, okay, well we can decrease the size of our MPLS circuits to offset the cost of the SD-WAN solution. Then you end up as a wash. And we get more more for exactly what we're paying for today. But I think most aren't even there. I think most are just like, SD-WAN provides X. Is it worth X to, more to pay for it? And everyone looks at it and says, well, yeah, it probably is. Let's go buy it. Let's go do it. No one even considers the fact, you know, like, I won't say nobody. But it's so few, at least so few of my customers are even looking at it that way. I have a the same customer who has that, that site that, and that nothing got better, but it got way worse when it went away. That same customer is doing a very large point-to-point private network between their major sites, not even MPLS, like point-to-point circuits, like private circuits. And it's like, you know, like that's a lot. And they're doing it all new. It's all new. So this is all part of a WAN refresh that they're doing. And just because of the, the profile of their traffic and it's a well-reasoned design to have that kind of, that, all that kind of connectivity there. Um, so I think that, I think the money argument was always kind of funny. I don't, I don't, you're always going to hear it in every pitch. It's going to be cheaper. <laughs> it never really ever seems to be really cheaper. So then the question is, can, what's the practical answer? And the answer is maybe, right? It depends. The typical, the typical technology answer is, is what I'm hearing is it depends. It depends on your traffic profile. It depends on how critical your applications are. It depends on whether or not you want somebody to go after if it doesn't work. And it depends on how, how risk averse your company is. 
Because if your company doesn't want any risk at all, you're going to keep MPLS and you're going to pay the premium. If you're willing to accept some risk, you're going to try it out. And if it doesn't work, what? how, how much effort really is to put it back? Like with SD-WAN, it's not that bad. Like, Right. And you we just do go get MPLS again and add it as another underlay and off you go. Well, we've done some proof of concepts for customers that are like, well, we really want to know how this work would work without MPLS. So we say, well, then unplug it. You know, you have you have the other circuits there. They'll just take <laughs> over. Just unplug the MPLS and you'll see how it works. No. So it's it's real easy to to identify if if your your apps are gonna hang on and your users are gonna notice a difference. Um you know, once you, once you get over to it, but you have to get there first, you know, you have to build the foundation to, to get there. And that's, that's what SD-WAN I think is, is all about. You put in that foundation and then you have to, to Yvonne's point earlier, the flexibility and control to do what you want. You know, you can, you can kind of determine where, where apps live and what circuits you're using and, and all of that. It, uh, it, it ends up above the, the access methodology you choose. So I want to take it to another direction. So we've talked about the financial, we've talked about whether people are actually doing it or not. Now that we're actually implementing networks, is there, like, I guess the question that I have is around the the controller. So we have this controller that controls the network. And the controller is either exists within the network or it's just in the cloud somewhere. And we're seeing more and more solutions where the, where the controller lives in the cloud, which is available via the internet, but isn't going to necessarily easily be available from your private circuit, whether it's MPLS or point-to-point or whatever. So you guys seeing complications for this? I mean, are there are there disincentives in the SD-WAN model to running private circuits? Does it add additional challenges, I guess is what I'm asking. I mean, yeah, so I'll, I'll speak to that. I don't necessarily want to call it a disincentive. Um, it's a complexity and a challenge, absolutely. Um, at that point, you have to typically try and leak in one of your interconnect or internet connections into the underlay. Right. If you're on all private circuits, you still have to have an exit point. And does the solution support adding at that point that many boxes? You know, so there there are challenges and complexities to a private circuit and a cloud controller based model. Yeah, I I I um some of the bigger challenges are are migrations where um, clients been MPLS only. Uh, up to that point, and now they're they're adding internet circuits out to the branches to make you know to add a hybrid uh, hybrid solution. Uh, but there's go there's going to be those sites that haven't switched over yet. So the, those locations that you haven't switched over, you have to have the the cloud based access. And some SD WAN solutions that we worked with have only just recently added you know the capability to connect to the internet based cloud controller over the private network it's been a real a really big pain with some of the uh, some of the solutions up till now uh, to make that actually operate and you still have challenges like we we've had um, you know, just odd behaviors that'll happen after a certain failure type. So, you know, for example, a customer goes offline uh, with, with an internet and an MPLS loop that were on the same facilities into the building. And so they lost both internet and MPLS at the same time. And when everything came back up, um, you know, it didn't know how to get out. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, it just didn't know how to get back to the cloud controller and, and it was kind of stuck in this loop until we reset it. So it's just their native uh, design of many SD-WAN solutions has an expectation that internet is going to be at the local site somewhere. So, um, right. you know, with that, there you, you'll definitely, you find some some unique scenarios and some odd situations when they can't connect to that cloud controller. 
Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. That that assumption of internet. So the idea is, I, I think that most of the major players now are going to support private connections um, to some reasonable degree, right? But but the idea is that the expectation is that internet will be there as one of the options. So I know that the solutions that I'm working with, I can turn off the connections on the private WAN. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They that that those connections just don't call home. Just call home on the internet ones. Right. And then, and then that way we know which direction we're going and that's all good. But if it was only private, well, then now we've got a whole engineering thing that has to happen to try to figure out how to get public connectivity to this private underlay, which is not supposed to have public connectivity. I mean, the whole nature of the idea is it's only supposed to be endpoint to endpoint connectivity. Now we're adding complexity and kind of, you know, kind of meshing the networks a bit too much, right? Or we're, sure. now we're getting we're getting public internet available in these places where it wasn't meant to be before, and now now an internet outage or some sort of like BGP hijack or whatever, right, ends up affecting you know multiple things that it wasn't supposed to affect. You don't really have the separation that I think it was by design previously, well, or by intent. Yeah, and you you mentioned meshing the networks together in a some you know some slight way, and a lot of times that solution on a private circuit is to extend the underlay into your core of some sort to get it out to the internet, and now you're playing VRF games, VDC games. You know what what are we doing to isolate that still? It's a it's a added complexity in the simplicity of the SD WAN, right? Abstraction hides complexity. So, I mean, like, like you're operational. I mean, this is, I'm about to get on one of my soapboxes again. I apologize. But, like, (laughs) this idea that somehow abstraction removes complexity is just hilarious to me because it doesn't. It removes the complexity that we don't have to touch day to day, which is great. But the moment you expose it, it's still complexity, right? And so this is what you're talking about. We're now exposing the complexity. We're exposing the kind of the underpinnings of all this stuff and the way that it works. And we need to extend it without the controller. Well, guess what? Now you got to do all that stuff manually, and that's not easy. I don't know if you've looked at any of the configs that this SD WAN controllers generate. They're not small, <laughs> right? Like no. what they're generating and the things that they're doing are things like the reason why it, en- it enables so many new features or things that were that we haven't done before isn't because those things weren't possible. It's just that people threw in the towel of trying to manage that at a wide scale manually. And so anytime you get in the, get to the point of trying to extend that out into a network where you don't have the controller, you're going to have the same problem. Like IE, IWAN. Look, look at IWAN, you know, kind of, you know, <laughs> a first go round of, uh, I think, uh, of, of exactly what you're talking about, where, you know, you, you didn't really have that controller piece to obfuscate out that, you know, to, to, to abstract out the, the hard parts. And you had to build it by hand. And that's kind of why a lot of people would say, you know, I can't. I can't do this anymore. It, it's too complex. So now that, you know, the new, new what I would consider more modern uh, SUN solutions take care of all that for you. And, and, to your point, they're, they're big configs that are complex, and there's a lot going on in an SD-WAN network for sure, but you kind of need that, that controller to keep it sane so that, that you can actually control it. Right. So just because we have a couple of guys who are working on this all the time now, I just I want to ask, and so I kind of asked Matt at the beginning, but Jason, uh, I, I want is there, to, is there anything else that came from that early hype that, like, you don't think SD-WAN's really lived up to that. Is there anything that you can pinpoint and highlight and kind of be like, uh, people talked about this, but it's not quite that. We've talked about the money thing. We've talked about MPLS. We've talked a bit about complexity. I don't know if there's anything else, and I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot because I gave you absolutely no warning I was going to ask this question at all. Uh, so it's okay if you don't have an answer, but I just, 
I'm curious with your experience, like, is there, is there something out there that you think is like kind of a, a misnomer around SD-WAN? I think a big misconception, one that we encounter frequently is uh, SD-WAN can protect inbound services, i.e. you've got servers that are sitting at your location and you want to have SD-WAN uh, protect cert- you know, people connecting to those servers over the internet without changing anything. And um, th- there are SD-WAN solutions that are unique that, that do things like that. Like there's a vendor called Big Leaf that actually ha- can do that. They, but they give you a new block of IP addresses that are routed over the overlay. It's a new public range of addresses. Um, but most solutions don't really, you know, a- a- account for or fix that. Um, most of the other SD-WAN solutions, the, the VeloClouds, the VipTelas of the world, that there's no... There's no easy solution, let's put it that way. It's not really inherently built in to, to protect inbound services. It's really for users connecting to services elsewhere. That's what it's, it's meant for. So private connectivity between locations, so connecting to the headquarters or data center, um, connecting out to cloud services over the internet. I mean, that, it does a good job of protecting and, and fixing up and making sure that the, the quality of service is good there, but um, it's not really meant for inbound services. So that, that's a misnomer. We encounter that all the time where they go, oh yeah, we're just going to put our servers behind this and they'll be protected too. Well, not really, not, not the way you're thinking. <laughs> That, yeah. that's baffling honestly that's that's baffling but so i i don't know so so just to to push into this a little bit further i i mean there are some basic basic tools that are available so i'm working specifically in um cisco sdwan veptela right it'll do inbound nat right you can you can put a firewall policy around it to layer four it's not going to do anything dramatic i wouldn't put a data center behind it but if you had like one service I, are you saying that's not possible? Or are you saying that it, it's just the, the conception that you can run this as this replaces your internet edge architecture altogether? Just the conception that this is redundancy for everything I have from a connectivity standpoint. Oh, so, you're talking about connectivity, not just the functional, can I actually offer a service online? You're talking about actually protecting the ingress. Ingress well, yeah. services. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we as network engineers, uh, like, I, well, I guess. It, and What's it, your IP address? Yeah. Where does that IP address get advertised? Right. If right. it's not out of multiple circuits, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you're trying to get to a service inbound. It's it's it, 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 that's a complex design. And like I said, there are specific. Um, so sometimes we'll do a mix of of SD WAN solutions. We've done this for customers before, where, where you know the WAN between locations is uh, like a, a Velo cloud. But then in the data center, they want Big Leaf for just just for services that they they deliver, um, you know, for, uh, from their servers out of that data center. So oh, that makes that makes complete sense. I was thinking like like the technical features didn't allow ingress connectivity, and I'm like, ah, like I mean, it's definitely not robust, but they certainly are there in some of the tools. But I see what you're saying. Like, <laughs> you still have to architect. Uh, ingress resiliency <laughs> yeah right. like they, they're, two they're different still, conversations there's, there's no magic pill here like this it, is this is wan connectivity resiliency it's just like right. bgp traffic engineering you know when it, it, we, so, like, we get what, the entire internet to agree on an sd wan overlay right and then, we, then we might have some you know right <laughs> resiliency, yeah. yeah we can't yeah. we talking about extending that complexity holy smokes and just oh that's a scary thought yeah. <laughs> I think part of the misconception too comes from just saying, hey, we'll replace your WAN and you can now use your existing internet connection. Great. Well, yeah, that's really good for on-ramp, you know, direct internet access, O365 type of reach out. But, you know, it's people 
have that misconception. Well, now our internet comes into this WAN box. No, we said WAN, not Internet Edge. You know, it's uh, you're, you're talking two different things, exactly. I was just going to say those are like misconceptions that people have about how it works. But it's not, those aren't like, this is what we said SD-WAN would do and it hasn't lived up to the hype, right? Right. So That's true. Yeah. Um, I and the mean, way I, I phrased my question, those aren't, those aren't fair responses, I guess is what you're saying. No, no, no. Because I'm, I'm curious to see um, from a practitioner standpoint, like are there things it's not doing that, that we all talked about it doing a few years ago when, when it, we were in the middle of the hype cycle? Um, and, and I feel like it's as a technology delivered as well or better than most of the, you know, transformational technologies we've seen in the last maybe decade. I feel like it's, and I've always felt like it was like the real thing. It's interesting. It's who you talk to. I find a lot of uh, people who are in the service provider who are like, I don't get SD-WAN at all. <laughs> like We've been doing all these things for a very long time. And the reality is, is that they're right. They have, they've been doing it for a very long time and they look at SD-WAN and they kind of go like, I don't get it. Why is everyone so excited about it? Being someone who works in the enterprise and sees what the enterprise has been capable of doing, what their, their, their technical capacity on staff, what they're willing to spend money on, um, it's transformational. Like it, It's significant to most enterprises because most enterprises don't have the networking chops that come out of something like a service provider. Um, and they don't have the, the amount, they don't put the amount of resources into it because running the network isn't what's making them money. And Russ is cringing if he's listening to this right now. But yes, I know, you know what I'm saying? Just generally, like a lot of businesses don't look at their network as a competitive advantage. They don't look at their network as something that's actually driving revenue. It's, it's something that they need. And so they pay what they need to get what they need out of it. They want to optimize it. They want to spend as little as possible um, and get the most out of it. And like, that's the line. That's all the further it needs to go. It doesn't need to be, you know, super robust and it doesn't need to be, you know, super complex. It's just a matter of delivering what they need. And they look at SD-WAN. It's like, I can buy this box that does this thing for me. And I'll look now I can use both circuits at the same time. And I'll look, it does some, you know, nifty quality of service stuff. And, oh, I can do overlays now and I don't have to do it, you know, configure on every, each and every box and they go, oh, wow, that's amazing. And that service provider guys are sitting there going, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, they're like, well, yeah. doing overlays forever. Like, how do you think you get MPLS? Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> well, speaking of MPLS, the, the service provider guys have, have had, you know, that's one of the advantages they've had over, you know, the enterprise guys is that, They've already got an overlay in MPLS, and then be able to do do tricks and and really um, abstract over the the underlay with with that technology that's been around for fifteen twenty years. Yeah. So I think that that's that's why they they might be thinking to themselves, what's the big deal? We could do this all these these things all day with MPLS. Yeah. Well, yeah, enterprise doesn't doesn't have that. Right, and they don't have the gear that can support it, even if they wanted right. to, because, right. because most because most enterprise gear is not going to run MPLS end to end. It's just not going to happen. Correct, and I think that's kind of the one of the disconnects. But to Yvonne's point, I 100% agree that when it comes to technologies that have brought a significant amount of change, I think SD WAN is one of the ones that has actually been adopted faster than most, and I think broadly has delivered on the things that it said it could do. Um, I think there was, I mean, there was hype. Don't get me wrong. There's always hype. Um, around any new technology that kind of goes beyond what it really is because people sell this advertising is what, it's what, it's what happens. But generally, 
when when people started talking about their solutions, there was enough stuff to get excited about in them that actually was a big deal. That the hype wasn't so far off, uh, off off the rails that it was like, oh, I think that I think the challenge is is I think that it get everything gets sold as easy. Um, we're going to do this thing. It abstracts a lot of the complexity, which makes it easy. And I completely disagree. Now having my hands dirty in in multiple SD WAN deployments, it's not easy. It's not any easier than the networking we've been doing. It's not a magic bullet. It's not push a button. It's not any of those things because there's still lots of architecture. What happened is we added a lot of additional services that we didn't have before. So we've abstracted away some of the simpler things. Sure. Some of the things that would have been di- really difficult to do only because of scope across the network. Those things have been abstracted away. There's something that, that, that does it for me, which is great, which allows me to focus on delivering additional value in services. Well, delivering that additional value in services is still architecture. It's still yeah. difficult. It's still, none of my customers are putting this in by themselves. None of them are buying a solution, dropping it in and being like, we're done. Don't need oh. networkers anymore. Like I- that's just not happening. I think you hit the nail on the head with that, especially from an enterprise standpoint is in, ter- in terms of the quote unquote hype, as we want to call it at this point, it, it delivers using your circuits and using your bandwidth and being able to provide a good quality WAN across either and or both or three or four, however many transports you're, you're using, right? But to your point, it's not necessarily any easier to deploy. Um, there's a lot of thought that has to go into bringing an SD-WAN solution and putting it over top of your current WAN or re-architecting your current WAN completely into new SD-WAN solution. I think you hit the nail right on the head there. I, and I wonder, I wonder if it would be less complex in a greenfield. We kind of started there and I'm kind of coming back around like in a fully greenfield environment because I feel like maybe a lot of the complexity that we have is, in, is either in maintaining legacy architectures like we expect it to be this way, so we want SD WAN to behave this way. Whereas if we just built it the way it was supposed to be, it'd be a lot easier. Um, I think that we, we do that sometimes. So I'm I'm trying to be devil's advocate here, right? <laughs> do we do we introduce our own complexity essentially, and and do we introduce complexity because of the fact that we have to integrate with what are legitimately complex networks that already exist? And so yeah. all of a sudden we've got to set these things beside them or on top of them or through them in some way that doesn't interfere and doesn't take them down. And so, you know, and so like, I think that there's complexity introduced there, but I think even in a greenfield, I mean, just the learning curve on some of these, I've been through a couple of them now and I'm, I don't, I don't think they're easy, but doing networking for a while, right. I don't look at it and say like, Oh yeah, this is simple. We'll just do this, 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 and this. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not quite that simple. And oftentimes I find myself, Oh, oh we'll do this. And then we'll go, Oh wait, well, no, no, guess what? There's still limitations. Guess what? There's still caveats. Guess what? There's still yeah. things. I ran into one today. <laughs> My design was flawed because I didn't know a caveat. I had to go back and work around it. Well, that comes that comes to the the business use of the network too, right? There are some networks that are simple enough. Some of these solutions, yeah, you could probably deploy in a couple of days over some new internet circuits and call it good. Um, you know, some very point-to-point transactional. We just go to this one server here. We're just kind of a small company in a regional area. Sure. But a lot of your big your big enterprises, there's a lot more going on than just a couple a couple VPNs isolating this traffic here, this traffic there, and no, it's, there's more to it, right? Are you? Back but I would yeah. I would argue that SUN doesn't give them much. Those companies, like those companies that can implement it without a lot of complexity, because they've already had solutions that don't have a lot of complexity. Or they could go buy it. It's cloud-based and, you know, we won't mention brands. Well, We've mentioned a lot of brands, but you drop it in, there's a cloud management portal and we have 
site is like connectivity and I, it's done. Like, yeah. you know, like, I mean, like, and it's that simple. And, and, and when it, when it really is that simple, then SDN is not going to be, you know, dramatically. Uh, I'll play devil's advocate that a little bit using multiple circuits to provide a better WAN existence for your traffic. Sure. Uh, here in, so, you know, Southwest Michigan, where I'm at, I'm in some pretty rural spots that they might only be able to get a couple different T1 providers. That's their choices. So Ouch. some of these, <laughs> some of these <laughs> providers of SD WAN that can do, you know, forward equivalent, you know, any any type of fact or any type of parity to control lost packets and kind of make up for it, that can actually do quite a bit for some of these smaller, smaller areas. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say as, as uh, benefits of say it's a very simple greenfield deployment. Apps are in the cloud, and. Um, you know, even your your voice, perhaps, you know, is hosted. Um, being able to uh, leverage forward error correction, jitter buffering, and some of the other mechanisms that come with an SD-WAN solution to make that better. To if you have, you could get at least two circuits in there. Being able to quickly fail over to an alternate path, um, potentially without even taking that down, depending on the architecture of the SD-WAN solution. If the you know it does some sort of load balancing via a cloud-based gateway. Um, that in the session for, for that, uh, you know, for whatever you're, you're doing, is actually that NAT moves up to the gateway. So then you could potentially fail from one circuit to another without even, you know, the session even going down. It's staying intact the entire time. And, oh, by the way, you know, forward error correction, fixing it up, uh, jitter buffering, things of that nature. So uh, I think even with cloud apps, and that's, you know, another point I was going to bring up as, you know, one of the bigger drivers for our customers as far as moving to the cloud uh, to SD-WAN is the cloud. And the fact that that private connectivity doesn't, their apps aren't in their MPL, in an MPLS network anymore. So they've gone from a, an Avaya or a Mitel or a, a call manager to a close uh, hosted uh, phone system that, you know, is in the cloud. Or they've gone, uh, you know, from the, their Exchange server inside or their ERP system in the data center all of that stuff is getting migrated out. So you're flipping from a private first connectivity model to a public first connectivity model where then, you know, private connectivity is kind of, eh, it's nice to have when we need it for the, for the legacy apps that are still private. But um, with, for organizations that have moved to the cloud, it doesn't, they, they may not need that as much. I actually think this is one of the undersold features of SD-WAN. Is, is cloud connectivity. I think this is one of those things that, you know, initially it was, oh, like we can pin up, you know, IPsec tunnels and yeah, sure, we can get you connected. But as we've seen it mature and as we've seen virtual instances of SD-WAN appliances be able to be deployed inside of, you know, VPCs and, and you know, uh, segments within, you know, public cloud infrastructure. And then it starts all of a sudden treating that like an extension of your WAN. Like, you know, I can do infrastructure service and I can do multi-cloud and have connectivity between multi-clouds. And it's not as simple as spinning up a virtual instance, but it is really close, right? Like, I mean, like there's still, you know, engineering and architecture evolved, but I can, I can make that infrastructure service not look like it's at the end of a, you know, uh, IPsec tunnel and I can make it not necessarily have to be where I go buy a private circuit to make it happen. Right. We can get decent connectivity and so uh, and, and get all those advantages and I think this is actually one of the things that doesn't get sold enough is the idea of like, oh, I can deploy these virtual instances and and, and extend into this infrastructure as a service. So. Well, and and depending on your SD-WAN solution, I, I, I know that, that, that Velo does this. Some of them offer um, cloud gateways that are there that you can use and you don't even have to spin up the infrastructure like once once you're 
in in the SD WAN cloud, then it's there, and you you can connect and get all the benefits of of SD WAN, um, you know, without having to build out any additional infrastructure, and and that's huge too. Yeah, so I think I think that's really going to be the, especially as we start, you know, multi cloud, which of course is one of the the favorite you know marketing buzzwords right now. But like that's a reality. People are going to be in multiple cloud, you know, public cloud. Uh, infrastructures. And so it's going to become even more complex. And so having solution that can, can branch between them, I think is provides real value. Um, and I think that's actually one of the things that doesn't get talked about <laughs> nearly as much as it probably should be as, as people are moving that direction. Right. But on that note, I think, I think we do have to wrap it up here, guys. Um, uh, before we go, though, I want to give everyone an opportunity to share, you know, where they might be found because everyone here is online in some capacity, whether it be Twitter or you know, doing cool stuff with businesses or whatever. So Matt, why don't we start with you? Uh, do you have a blog, a Twitter handle, places where people can find you? Yeah, so I blog occasionally at packetpilot.com and you can find me on Twitter at Matt Olette. All right. How about you, Jason? So you can find me on Twitter at Jay Ginnert, uh, also on LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, the company I, uh, I work for, Wind Dynamics, you can find us at W-A-N-D-Y-N-A-M-I-C-S dot com. And you guys do a lot of this, right? When it comes to like, and I know it's not exclusively this, but SD-WAN consultancy. Right? The idea is going out and providing uh, a consultative approach to SD-WAN and, and helping people make good decisions around these things. You've got it. We've been, we've been deploying um, you know, a lot of VeloCloud solutions for about four years now, back since the painful 1.x days. It, it's come a long <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, yeah, integrated integrated security with SD WAN. We do quite a bit uh, with that as well as a managed service, professional service engagements, uh, that sort of thing. Awesome, good deal. Yvonne, where can people find you behind uh, a windshield, you, right? Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Sharp Network or um, on LinkedIn. You know, look for Yvonne Sharp. Oh. The blog has gotten has gotten to the point where it doesn't even get a mention anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me sad, so I don't yeah. say anything. <laughs> All right. Well, then now I feel bad because mine's even more outdated than yours, so I won't mention mine either. So I'm at BC Jordan on Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn, um, all the regular places. If you like this episode, there are a lot like it. Uh, TheNetworkCollector.com. We've talked about a lot of things. I think we were talking about like 150 plus <laughs> different things that we've posted between short takes and episodes and whatever. So lots and lots of content. If you're just starting now, it's going to take you a while to catch up. So, uh, but <laughs> don't do that. Don't go watch them all. I, <laughs> that would be very, very bad. Uh, if you'd like to connect with us, uh, we as uh, as a podcast are also on social media. So at Collective PC on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn and we are on Facebook. So go find us there. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Just a reminder, uh, the listener surveys out there, we are looking for feedback. So that's at our website, thenetworkcollective.com. Click on the banner at the top of the page. And uh, membership, as we mentioned at the top, you should go check that out, thenetworkcollective.com slash join. So thanks again, everybody. Uh, just great conversation, and we will see everyone next time.